Hi, and welcome back to Movie Nosh with Mike and Josh, where each episode we sink our teeth into a different movie feast. Fucking nailed it that yeah, time, didn't I? That was yeah. really good. Uh, this week we are reviewing Atomic Blonde. It's basically my autobiography. <laughs> you think about it? Atomic Ginger doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? <laughs> really doesn't. Anyway, cue theme music! So, as you uh, challenged me last week, I'm not going to ask you, what was the plot for Atomic Blonde? Because <laughs> it's so easy to just reel off. What? So, Atomic Blonde is probably more complicated than Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> the plot was a little complicated. Basically, Atomic Blonde is a spy movie set in 1989 with the backdrop of the Berlin Wall coming down. Mm-hmm. Mr. Berbachev and all that stuff. Berbachev. I didn't do history. What's his name? Uh, Gorbachev, isn't it? <laughs> history. We'll, we'll edit that out. Okay. I think we're going to have to leave it in, aren't we? Um, anyway, so we have Charlize Theron playing a British agent for MI6 known as Lorraine Broughton with one of the worst English accents I've ever seen. It's a, it's a bad accent. And also a terrible, terrible spy name. Lorraine. Yeah. Lorraine. I always think that there's some daytime TV presenters about to... Shoot you in the back, two in the chest, one in the head. So yeah, there's this watch and it's got a list of loads of names of spies on and if it falls into the wrong hands, then that could basically wipe out the opposition. So she's been sent in to get it. James McAvoy plays... Plays David Percival. David Percival, sorry, getting the names confused. David Percival's there, he's the station agent in Berlin, so he's basically the British spy who always stays there and he's there to try and help Charlize run out. Um, the backdrop of that, you've got the Russians who are killing British agents to, to get hold of it. There's French agents in there. John Goodman's in there as a, a CIA agent as well. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's, uh, I think someone described it as like Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. but mixed with James Bond and John Wick. It's a choreographer from John Wick who's directed this. Is that right? It's the That's same the, director. The same director? So uh, John Wick was... John- Co- yeah, John Wick was co-directed with uh, one fella and David Leach, who's... Did you say one. it? Leach? Leach? Let's go with Leach and stick with it. Leach, yeah, okay. Sleep with it. Stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> you want to sleep with David I've Leach? i slept with a lot worse. Than <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, but this was the first time he solo-directed yeah. a film like this. He's done stuff like The Bond Legacy with Jeremy Renner. He's directing Deadpool 2. He directed Ninja Assassin, which is one of my favourite Kung Fu style of films. I don't think he's directed these. I think he is the fight choreographer for these. Oh, right, okay. And this is his first, this is his directional debut. Right, because it says um, David Leach is an American film director, stunt coordinator, second unit director, stuntman, producer and actor. Yeah, so he's been in in a hell of a lot of shit. Jack of all trades. Yeah. Yeah. A master of some. I think the choreography was really good in this, actually. Fight choreography. Yeah, so one of my favourite things about this film uh, was it seemed like Charlize Theron did a hell of a lot of her own stunts. Yeah, apparently she trained for two years or something for this. And this is her like love child, this film. Yeah. It's like five years in the making. Yeah, she and spent five years developing this film. Yeah, it's crazy. I think she put a lot of work into this. And she, she's 41, I think, when they filmed it. And she's kicking ass. She's badass. Yeah, she kicked the living shit out of a hell of a lot of people. And she also took a massive beating, which I kind of liked. It was like she wasn't absolutely perfect and... But she stood up and she kept going every single time, and yeah, that was just, you wouldn't you wouldn't mess with her. I do like that she took one hell of a beating and mm. has come through. 
Um, <clears throat> makes it more real, I guess. Yeah, about as real as a, as a film like this can be. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought that's quite refreshing. You know, she's not completely um, immune to, to damage and, and being, being hurt. Not some kind of superhero. Exactly. I mean, we all know we've got too many of those films out at the moment. Yeah. They should just stick to making Star Wars. <laughs> and stop making these superhero films. We need two Star Wars films a year now. Yeah. Why haven't they cracked onto that yet? Easter Star Wars. Speaking of cracked, first interesting fact of the film: Charlie Theron cracked two teeth while filming. I must. I mean, she's taking a pounding in this film. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Wait. Uh, and um, not the right word. She no. She really does get um, beaten up, and it, yeah. and the choreography was really. Uh, really really clever in that you've got a uh, a woman spy who's fighting these big hench uh, hench men henchmen hence the name and uh, the, the choreography was quite clever in that it, it made it look realistic as to how somebody who was 50 pounds lighter than somebody else would fight you know mm. you'd use their weight against them I can only imagine because I'm a I'm a lover, not a fighter, and I'm a bad lover as well. So. Uh, as, and a bad fighter, and a, it's even worse fighter. Yeah. And sometimes I get the two confused. And it's just, <laughs> um, but I thought, yeah, I thought it was quite good in that um, the that she was just intelligent in her fighting, mm. and it wasn't just a slugfest. When you've got a director who is a stunt <clears throat> choreographer, yeah, that should be the main strength of the film yeah, shouldn't yeah. it and it was it, it really was. worked well I mean you look at John Wick uh, I've seen John Wick 1 I've not seen the second one it, I wouldn't bother oh no so really. the second John Wick continues directly after the first one so it's supposed to be like 10 minutes later yeah I couldn't even get halfway through it I got really bored I don't know what it was I liked the first one I really liked the first one the puppy thing was a little bit meh but I still really enjoyed the whole premise the action sequences the action sequences are great and, mm. and there's another actor who absolutely bossed it uh, Keanu Reeves doing that funny you say that oh really interesting fact number two Charlize Theron had eight personal trainers to help her master her intensely physical performance but she also trained with Keanu Reeves who was preparing for John Wick chapter two at the time oh uh, that makes sense it's quite similar in the, the the fighting that happens in John Wick there's a lot of sort of punching and then using a gun as like a, a mm. close weapon so he'd sort of punch yeah. with his left and then shoot with his right and then a knife would come out of nowhere yeah exactly and there's a lot of that in this a lot of quick sort of punching and shooting and um, shoot punching punching and shooting shooting and punching um, punch ting punch ting uh, so yeah the, the physicality of the movie was, was pretty pretty impressive can't argue that in fact there's a great what appears to be a one shot later on but we'll talk about that in a bit I think yeah. Uh, so we loved Charlie's Theron and her action sequences. She absolutely kicked ass. But we didn't like Charlie's Theron when, with her English accent. Oh yeah, that's, that's just awful. it kept flicking between English and American. And the stupid thing is, she's South African. So like, she's, she's African American. Be great if she just uh, tailed off into South African. <laughs> um, can't believe all these people are here just, trying to steal this list. Can't believe it, I'm here in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a whale of a time. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, her, her accent really did drop off, and there was one point actually at the end where her boss says uh, she accuses her of something or something, and and she says, "How who are you to accuse me of this?" And the guy who's English says, "You're superior," in a very English accent, yeah. and immediately she sort of questions and sort of goes, "Huh, superior." The guy has just said the word superior in an English accent <laughs> and she repeats the word immediately afterwards in an American one. She changes superior. the word. Yeah. Superior. Yeah. And, and just... it's really jarring. It's like, come on, come on. The, the word was right there. It was right there for you to copy. But she, I mean, apart from her piss poor accent, 
Um, she, I, I quite liked her performance. I think that that character, being as stoic as she was and uh, not giving too much away, I thought it was interesting. Well, it's, it's a good skill to have as a spy. You know, you don't want to be too... Um, yeah, emotion. Too emotion. Um, Totes emotion. But is it a good skill for a protagonist? I don't no, know. it's so. I would compare it in this sense to James Bond and Casino Royale. Yes, exactly. What I was because thinking. he the set that second or that last third of the film where he gets all emotion, gets um, gets all lovey dovey with uh, Vespa. Vespa. That's yeah. the one. I remember the name because of the bike <laughs> or the scooter. What is it? It's a scooter. It's a scooter. Yeah. Um, and you know you see his armor fall away and be a bit more vulnerable and you didn't really see I think the only time I saw her be properly vulnerable in this film was when um, she woke up after a dream and went <laughs> yeah, I was I'm like not... she seems a bit out of place now and now and now we've watched the film and we know what she was dreaming about it doesn't make sense that she would have show that weakness for no real reason it doesn't drive the, I mean it kind of leads you one way into thinking that the character is a certain way and then by the end of the film it leads to conversations like this where you think, why did she react so badly to a shitty dream? Yeah, to that guy that she had a romantic link with but wasn't explored in the slightest. Mm. Apart from the very short sequence at the start where he dies and a picture that she burns. That's pretty much it. Um, And apart from the accident, the fighting was great. A few of the punches were a bit telegraphed. I remember thinking, that's a very slow punch. Um, (laughs) I'm going to punch you! As a a kung fu master, I can can see these punches. But even, I mean, it looked like they were just slow punches. And a bit of the the characters about to receive the hit, sort of waving their arms about, not doing much. Oh no, you're going to punch me! Um, But other than that, I thought it was a good performance. I think, in this film... I really, really fancied uh, Charlie's the one in the same way, and probably a bit more than I fancied uh, Daniel Craig in, in Skyfall. I was just about know. to make the same comparison because I feel equally attracted <coughs> to both. Yeah. Because I mean, they are just—I don't know what it is—physical specimens. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And they're in their forties. Oh yeah, and both of them at the time, aren't they? Yeah, it's quite impressive that both of them. Charlie's is just a force to be reckoned with in this. She's so beautiful all the time mm, even okay. when she's covered in bruises and blood and yeah. getting battered um, so I mean she's just an incredible incredible woman for, to, to be able to one chuck her body through all of this and two look fantastic whilst doing it mm. but but shit accent shit accent yeah it's the only thing that lets her down that and just the character development wasn't she should, wasn't have, just, out, she should have just done the whole film in a certificate accent it would have been but then how could she be in MR6 um, and... <laughs> no, she is in MR6. Turns out yes, in but the not in... with a South African accent. She's like, I'm not, you're knocking my door, shoot you, eh? <laughs> shoot you, eh? <laughs> Nobody talks like that. I'm going to stop this. <laughs> that is racist. And it's not racist as well. It's how she sounds. <laughs> i cut all this out. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, it was nice to see her fight like a girl. Um, and take in... hits like a girl. Um, yeah, in the biggest compliment possible is like, I wish I could fight like a girl. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about some of the other cast then, because James McAvoy, I thought, gave a great performance. Yeah, as um, David Percival. David Percival. Got yeah. it right this time. And he was really watchable, and his character was just, in, in my opinion, way more interesting to watch. Because he had more, personality, yeah, you know it's a bit more dynamic. Yeah, um, he was a bit off the off the hook. No, that sounds like a cool thing to say. Off the cuff, off the hook. off the rails, off the rails. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a bit bonkers. Off he, the wall, 
off the wall. I don't know. That's good. No, that sounds too reactive. More like he, he's obviously unhinged. He's been a spy in Berlin for 10 years. Yeah. And um, he's become less and less of a, I'm British, I'm doing my duty to more like, <laughs> I'm doing what I want to do and I can do and I can manipulate the situation as much as I want to. Uh, well, fun fact. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, just after World War Two, the CIA and the MI5 were recruiting uh, homosexuals and... Um, other people with secrets uh, because they'd lived with a secret all their life that they'd not been able to talk about and discuss and so they were more in tune with um, hiding it I suppose and living their life whilst having this carrying this massive secret that they had to keep mm. uh, and so they made good spies which I think is quite interesting and so James McAvoy based his character on on somebody who has uh, a drug addiction slash uh, alcoholism that he's been you know trying to hide and um, it, it just sort of well he doesn't really hide it as much does he but well, I was going to say, nobody hides that in this film because every five seconds someone lights a cigarette hmm. and oh, every yeah. single spy you meet has maybe ten different drinks. I don't know. Yeah, she drinks a lot of vodka in this. She drinks a hell of a lot of vodka. Which he does as well. Lewis her being a KGB agent. Oh, uh, yeah. I was thinking that. Uh, but no, I really enjoyed his performance. I thought his character was way more multi-layered than... He was fantastic, actually. Um, except for... And I talked with you about this briefly yesterday. Do you know what pissed me off most about his uh, his his performance? He says, "Do the math." Oh yeah, do the math, math. instead of maths. Um, so I think they've they've just they've just bastardised our, our, his his speech for for the, for the sake of the American audiences. He's actually Scottish. He's actually Scottish and a very very convincing English accent. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, very good. Apart from the do the math bit. Were there any other notable performances? In this film, do you reckon? Uh, I, th- uh, mm, I think that uh, Sophia, what's her name, Butella, is that her name? Butella. Yeah, she had a notable. She had a, a character that should have been in it more. I think she was the French spy. Yeah, yeah the French spy who has a uh, a, a fantastic soft... love affair with Charlie's from. Yes, yeah, she has. A, she has a. She fancies a bit of Charlie's. Charlie's fancies a bit of it. Mm, I don't think so. I think she just does what she needs to do as a spy in order to do it. I don't think she's a lesbian in this at all. I think she's or bisexual. I think she's just she just fucking does what she needs to get done to get results. She's omnisexual. Yeah, and I think I'm calling it now. Mm. Next James Bond film. A woman? No, James Bond is going to do what a needs dude. to be done. Ah! It's going to be like I love you, Philip Morris. I Daniel love Craig to be. sweating over the camera. <laughs> take I... it, David. We'll gladly be an extra in that thing. You'd take it from Daniel. <laughs> I would take all the below seven of his inches. It's terrible joke time. Um, uh, so, yes, going on to the sex scene, do you think it was quite jarring? Or do you think it was tastefully done? Do you think it was uh, graphic? Do you think it was grotesque? I think it was short enough to not be pornographic. If it lasted five minutes and be like, yeah, it was like, yeah, this is kind of just a porn. Yeah, it was. Um, no, I thought it was it was well done. I thought it seemed realistic. I thought it was hot, really, as well. And that's one of the main things. Was it needed? But, was it needed? Um, yeah, because I think it showed. You know, she's free. She is a strong woman. She takes what she wants. And at this instance, it was this girl. And yeah, absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, it, it was. I thought it was interesting as well because you didn't necessarily expect it. I didn't at all. I didn't know much about this film at all going into it. No. Um, and then all of a sudden, 
the film opens up and you're greeted with um, um, nudity straight away from Charlie Theron. Yeah, she's Theron. just but sat in the bathroom in a bath. She likes her ice baths, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean, she, she seems unfazed completely by any of the ice baths she's had in this film. Screaming like a little. As soon as I jump boy. in a freshwater lake, I'm like, <gasps> yeah. God, breathe. So, um, but the nudity in this didn't feel forced. It really. didn't feel like it, she was on show as something to ogle over when yeah. she was naked. When she was dressed up and all glammed up and had her makeup on, you're like, Phew, she's hot. Yeah, but she not when she was sort of exposed, if you know what I mean. She seemed more vulnerable when yeah, she was in the bank. that's true. And even in the sex scene, they they, they, they seem kind of vulnerable. Mm. Um, which I suppose they were to each other because, you know, they're, they're, they're letting their guards down. Um, and their panties. <laughs> Um, what about this this French spy then? Uh, what was her name? Delphine Lasalle. Lasalle. Um, yeah, she her? was good. She's she's uh, very up and coming, isn't she? Because she was in Kingsman, I mentioned before, as the with the spiky feet, the baddie with the spiky oh, feet. Yeah, she was great in that. She's um, I think she's a dancer originally, so she's she's good at she's physicality. The dancer. <laughs> um, um, she was in the new Mummy film, which I didn't mention in the first episode. Yeah. It's god awful. And she is, is she the, the mummy. mummy. Oh, is she? Yeah, which uh, she's okay in, but the movie's so terrible it's really hard to notice her. So to see her in a film like this, where I think she does get a chance to show some personality. Not and... enough, though. I don't think she was in it long enough. No, well, she was like a, not even like a secondary character, really. She was kind of tertiary. Tertiary. Yeah. Tertiary. Tertiary character. Tertiary. Look at those using all these fancy words. Um, and that was a problem, I felt, because you're supposed to, spoiler alert, care when she gets killed. <laughs> but because she's not been in it long enough um, along with another character that dies they're not in it long enough you don't really get any character development from actually really anyone in this film maybe James McAvoy's got the best character development in the whole in the whole film yeah um, you don't care when she dies um, and then also she dies in her underwear why? why is she in her underwear? it, it just doesn't need to it doesn't, and it's not normal underwear as well it's like Sexy. Yeah, it's, it's sexy Andre. So, harking on. To be fair, she can do. She can do what she wants. Yeah. And where was she wants? I think it was uh, the great Britney Spears who said, it's my prerogative. <laughs> uh, and it's her prerogative to walk around in her underwear. But Whatever the same time, she wants. I feel that if she, if um, she didn't really need to, that didn't need to happen. Mm. That, I felt, was a bit gratuitous. Yeah. One thing I did notice, uh, James McAvoy wore a very uncomfortable looking jumper. Did you see it? He had a sleeveless woolen jumper. You know what it reminded me of? What's that? The cardigan that Wallace wears in Wallace oh, and Gromit. Do you know what I was going to say? What? And I said, hey, what oh, a wonderful kind of day. Don't have it. Arthur. 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 So he wore a um, woolen jumper. Sleeveless woolen jumper this guy's wearing. Um, with like nothing underneath. James McAvoy somehow made it look cool. He did make it look cool. Actually, he looked cool in this whole film. There's a very, very broad array of sunglasses that were also being worn in this film. And I just don't think that would be high on your list as a spy to pack that many pairs of sunglasses as Charlie Theron has in this. And James McAvoy, he's guilty of it as well. Let's not forget to uh, judge him as we are judging her. Too yeah. many sunglasses in this Too film. many sunglasses. One thing I would say, though, is that sunglasses are very good for hiding your face, more so than you think. And I know this because when I was in high school, what we used to do is we'd sit in the canteen in the morning and wait for people to come in, mm. wait for our mates to, to get together. We'd sit at a table and people would arrive one after the other. What we used to do is when the last person was coming in, literally just sit at the table, 
and put your hand over your face like that. <laughs> now you'd think if you saw a table <laughs> with loads of people sat around and they've got their hands over the face, you'd think, what the fuck is going on over there? It's a bit weird. But actually what happens is people don't see you. It's the weirdest it's thing in the world. They just It's almost as if your brain only really recognises faces. I think it's true. When you're looking for people. Yeah. And even if it's it's a weird thing, like someone sat there with the hand over the face, yeah. your brain just doesn't register it. And honestly, you'd, you'd sit there and you'd be looking at them through your fingers and they'd be looking around going, where is everybody? <laughs> I don't understand. I uh, thought they were going to be here. Having an array of sunglasses probably is useful. Probably does help. But wearing Tom Ford sunglasses, I think, is a uh, yeah. good job. And I, if people are wearing sunglasses on the tube, I make a point of looking at them <laughs> and thinking, you're wearing sunglasses underground, motherfucker. You just take them off and go, no, no. no. Especially when they're stumbling into people because they can't fucking see because they're wearing <laughs> sunglasses underground. Having the screen brightness turned completely up on the phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Talking of brightness, that's a good segue onto the lighting in this film. Cinematography as well. I thought was unbelievable. I thought the best thing about this film was, was the way it looked. Again, very pretty film. It felt. It feels like Neon is currently in. Do you know it's what I mean? Very cool, like Outrun, that kind of style. It yeah. Very, very cool. Ghost in the Shell was like that. Ghost in the Blade like Runner's going to be like that. Like that. And uh, they're like futuristic films, whereas this is a historical film, but still that cool. It has this almost graffiti neon, mm. bright mm. colours on the cool backgrounds type thing. Yeah. It was. Uh, it had to be a stylish film. It was a very stylish looking film. And I think it only added to the entertainment actually. Mm. It was really, really, very, very good. I noticed what was quite a stark contrast: the 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 room, the interview room, everything in the interview room was black and white, mm. uh, and so everything that involved her bosses and the agency's bosses was black and white. Everything was just dull and, and bland. You think that's because they are trying to separate fact from fiction, and that color scheme kind of represents the. Uh... I think it could be that. I think it could also be when you compare it to her and. In the field, uh, in real life, everything is uh, opposite colours. You've got opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, very, very colourful um, in, in the evenings when she's out in the clubs. Mm. In her room, she's got that fluorescent light that's going around her. I don't uh, know what that apartment mirror. is. It's mental. But I want to go stay in yeah, that hotel because that's a sick looking room, wasn't it? Um, and I, I think it's quite good in a subconscious way as, as a viewer. You're looking at this, this colourful uh, scene that she's in um, and it's not... Um, it's not as black and white as her bosses are made out to made out to think. So I think it, it uh, correlates with what they think are very very simple decisions to make: mm. um, who's a spy, who's not a spy, who to kill, who not to kill. And even at the end, it's actually even more complicated than we originally <sighs> think. Yeah, that fucking ending. It could have ended five minutes earlier and, and been a much better movie. Yeah. I think that I left the cinema with a bit of a sour taste in my mouth because it was confusing. I mean, twenty minutes in, I didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> um, and then I asked myself, do I actually care? I was just enjoying looking at the pretty covers and the pretty music and the, the pretty actors and pretty actresses. Actors and, actresses. Um, and I didn't have any, I didn't feel anything for the characters. If they were going to die, I wouldn't have cared. I think even if um, Lorraine died, I probably wouldn't have been that bothered. So, my favourite bit of the entire film was the action scene in the stairwell. So, she's got hold of. Um, a spy from East Germany called Spyglass and um, she's trying to get him out of East East Berlin into West Berlin to yeah. where it'd be safe and she gets double crossed so everything starts going to hell and there's a whole fight sequence between her where she's trying to protect Spyglass fight off these different guys all in the stairwell there's guns there's knives there's tons of punches there's people falling downstairs this whole thing lasts 10 minutes at least 
a long time. And it looks like a one-shot the entire way through. I love a one-shot because yeah. a one-shot, just the, the complication of practicing it all, getting it right. If anybody screws up even nine minutes into a 10-minute sequence, you've got to go back and do it all again, otherwise yeah. it's ruined. So it's if you can pull it off and do it well, you're a genius doing a one-shot. It was my favourite part of the movie, definitely. When we left, I was like, was that a one-shot or not? Yeah. I noticed at least one edited cut it looks well it's just a bit where the camera pans quite quickly mm. and it looks like they I can't remember what it's called but it's what they do is when they speed up the action a little bit so your brain thinks that uh, the action's happening quicker than it is so they, they cut a tiny frame of the scene just before they uh, start the new scene mm. and it's a fraction of a second but your brain sort of sees it as action happening a bit faster right and I think it's where she throws a throws a, a, a henchman over her shoulder Oh yeah, um, and then Judo. that was kind of jarring. You sort of thought, look back and thought, okay, that's that's one cut. And then there's another bit I think where um, she's just about to kick the guy down the stairs, and the camera pans, and I think his coat or something blocks the screen entirely for a fraction of a yeah. second. Uh, but it looks like the camera's just panned around. So I think it's not bad. I, mean, I only noticed two two bits where I think it could have happened, but still very very impressive that they got through it all. Um, I think I've been knackered as well doing it all. Yeah. Um, well, they said like how long she trained for, and she had eight different people helping her. But, so the key thing was like it, it felt a hell of a lot like a one shot, but it turned out actually wasn't because it went from an entire fight sequence in a stairwell onto a car chase outside as well. So oh that, yeah, yeah, it was one. Oh one, yeah, one scene, the, the right? cameras rotating around yeah. the car as well. Exactly. Which, but, do you know what film that reminded me of? Go on, Children of Men. I was just about to say that. Yeah. That's me before it. Um, and actually, as it happened, I was thinking of Children of Men because yeah. it's a long scene. So yeah, that that reminded me of Children of Men. And actually, there were quite a, there were quite a few references to other films in this because that was, I mean, the spinning around of the camera in the car was almost identical to because they're in, they're escaping as well whilst yeah. whilst action's happening around them. Just and, seems almost too smooth when he's turning the camera around. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah. makes it feel like. But it's just it's just such a. As somebody who's seen Child of Children of Men, you just think of it instantly. Yeah. And another moment where that happened was the fight scene in the theatre. Um, she goes behind the cinema screen and uh, one of the guys, second in command, starts fighting her. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, we talked about Skyfall before, but it's exactly like that scene at the top of the building in Skyfall with the lights where um, Bond and the bad guy are fighting and they're just silhouetted. Uh Bright, bright colours in the background and the same thing happens in this when she's behind the cinema screen you've got uh, the cinema picture in the background silhouetted fight scene um, so I don't know if it was done on purpose but there are two moments where I thought this has been taken from Children of Men this has been taken from Skyfall I wonder if there are more moments in the film that have been taken from other films and I just didn't know it because I haven't either seen the film or maybe was there a bit in Godzilla or I might be thinking of the music video Giant Monster Mary where Godzilla burst through the cinema screen that's from the Jim Mary music video rather than yeah, yeah, that's this is a great song actually. Yeah, deeper underground. Still a classic. Classic. Would you like to know some more interesting facts? Tell me more interesting facts. Uh, the movie's based on a graphic novel, as we have talked about before. Yeah, uh, not a graphic novel I've ever heard of. No, it's a Venice New Revive, but it's one called, called The Coldest City, which the coldest revolves city. around a spy who has to find a list of double agents who are being smuggled into the West. The key fight sequence that we were talking about before, the one that looked like a one shot. Um, lasts for almost 10 minutes. The sequence comprises almost 40 separate shots seamlessly stitched together. So, fuck, that's a lot. Yeah, I was convinced as well. So, the fact that you only saw maybe two yeah. of those, yeah, there was and 40 points in it. That's also that's kind of a lot of time in, in editing. Yeah. 
That must be it. There's basically a lot of CGI there. Well, what it says is um, uh, they were filmed, and this is on IMDb, just to credit that source, um, they were filmed chronologically from start to finish. Nearly half the splices needed some degree of CGI assistance. Yeah, that makes sense. Swish pans provided the simplest solutions for smooth cuts, and door frames provided vertical seams for smoothly bridging some segments. So I've got to commend it, and that was really yeah. well done. Yeah. Really well done. The Oh, my favourite one, which made me go, oh! Was the, um, in the early part of the movie, you know, when she gets in, lands in Berlin and she gets picked up in a car by two agents. Yes. Uh, when she goes through that tunnel, that is the same tunnel that they used to film Captain America Civil War, the scene where Black Panther chases down Captain America and Bucky. Oh, yeah, and then, they, then doesn't something happen when they get out the other end? Like, gets taken away. They get I'd, caught, I think. Yeah, but yeah, cars flip and all that kind of stuff. But Oh, oh yeah, I, Here's a new one. Um, they kept going to the this guy for like a source of information. Oh, the, um, watch. the, yeah, the watchmaker, cool. Carl F. Boucherer, if I pronounced that correctly. Um, it's featured prominently in the movie. The director is a brand ambassador for the watch company. Oh, that makes sense now. The watch oh, brand is also just, worn by John Wick. Feels cheap now. I know it's kind of. Yeah. But he was a cool character. This this kind of like middle middle character um, who all the agents went to go and see fight as well. Okay, so what uh, what would I give it? So yesterday, as soon as I came out of the cinema... Just ask yourself what rating you'd give it. Well, I was going to ask you and then you sort of you finish you my sentence. Give, you can ask me, it's fine. Right, do what, you want me to ask you? No, no, what, what rating would you give this film? Uh, with the infamous Poppadom rating. Yeah, out of 10 Poppadom. I'd give this a 7. So I didn't love it. Yeah. Just the thing that let it down for me was the plot was a little bit too complicated. Way too complicated. Yeah, a bit confusing at times. Uh, not overly complicated, just a bit hard to follow. All right, you just because I didn't get it, you just getting that dig in. I didn't want to just make it too obvious. I got it by the end, end, but the first twenty. I'm surprised we even understood the undertone of that sentence. To be honest, but, <laughs> um, yeah, so it was a little bit too complicated. I feel like the as as great a job as Charlize Theron did, her character was just a little bit too stoic and just one dimensional. Bit boring. Yeah. Um, however, the great things about it: really cool soundtrack, cinematography was great, action scenes were easily the best part of the whole film so yeah i give it a, a solid seven maybe a 7.3 recurring fair yeah i don't feel like i could quite give it 7.5 but like you said before i actually enjoyed it more when i'm thinking back about it today than i did when yeah. i left the cinema yeah so yesterday i think i gave it a six and today i'm gonna to give it 6.5 mm. just because uh i spent the day today listening to the soundtrack looking back at um the light that was used I thought it was used quite cleverly and maybe at the time I took it for granted and just thought this is the world that it's set in but mm. actually thinking back to it you, you do realise there were some pretty good motifs in this film 6.5 is fair 6.5? okay and um, also James McAvoy says do the math yeah. which I think is awful would you recommend people to go see it? I think yes yeah yeah, go see it. Just That's because that, that fight scene in the in the stairwell is pretty impressive. If you like fight scenes, then go and see it. Um, if you enjoy John Wick, go see it. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you despite enjoy John Wick and spy films, uh, definitely go see it. Yeah. Great. Uh, so, yeah, go watch uh, Atomic Blonde out now. Oh, at yeah. cinemas, starring Shalise Theron, James McAvoy, and a hell of a lot of other people, because it's a complicated story. Definitely worth a watch. Yeah. Alright, so it's my turn to give you a game. Whee! My favourite part of the week. You're, I mean, they're great fun to, 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 to think of them. It's yeah. hard, isn't it? Or did yeah. this come on? This one comes on. This one's quite easy. I call this Theron or Theron. 
Wait, what? Thurong? Yeah. Or Thurong? And as a northerner, you should be able to say Thurong. Thurong? As in wrong. At the end of oh, the right. So we could call it Thurong or Thuroth. I was thinking that. <laughs> Thurong or Thuroth. Let's go for Thurong or Thuroth. It's like and a fact of fiction. You have to tell me. Yeah. Okay. So you have to tell me if this is a quote from Charlie Thurong right. or somebody else. Okay, you don't even cool. tell me who that quote is from. Just don't get extra points. Um, if you get any of these quotes, I will, I will give you. Can I keep my own score? Hundred points. You can keep your own score. Okay. Okay. So the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very attracted to characters who don't necessarily make it easy to be loved. Um, I'd say that was Charlize Theron. You would be correct. Well, one point. Except she probably said it in a terrible British accent. I'm, I'm very attracted to characters that are difficult to love. Oh, no. That'd be awful. Okay, next. Um, do I have to guess what is actually? Oh no, no, because she no, did say. She did say it. Yeah. So next okay. one. Okay. Uh, after climbing a great hill, one only finds that there are many more hills to climb. I don't like it. Not her. It doesn't sound like something to say. No. Uh, that doesn't go so well. That was Nelson Mandela who said that. I was supposed to guess who said that. You would never have guessed that. I could have tried. You would have said Gandhi or something. So I got a point there again. After climbing the great hill, one only finds. Uh, okay, next. As you get older, your boobs sag. But you get wisdom too, so it's not all bad. Not Charlie's. No, that was your mum who said that. <laughs> no, no, that was... My Char- mum might be listening to this. <laughs> that was... Uh, sorry, Mrs. Lewis. Uh, that was uh, Charlie's the wrong. Oh. Uh, and judging by this film, I don't think her boobs have sagged whatsoever, so she's talking shy. Okay, next. Uh, great people do things before they're ready. They do things before they know they can do it. Not Charlie's. Who do you think it is? Is that Theron or Theron there? That's a Theroth. This is Theron. It is Theron. So it's so it wasn't Charlie's. It wasn't Charlie. Okay, so I get that point. That's who said point. Say it again, say it again. Uh, great people do things before they're ready. They do things before they know they can do it. I feel like I know who this is, and I'm gonna kick myself if I Oh damn, I'm gonna have to turn it. There's Amy Pooler. Love Amy Poehler. Is yeah. it Paula? I, I just called her Poehler. It's like Poehler. I love Parks and Rec. She's she's awesome. Every yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's uh, quite a cool phrase. Okay, look, next one. Uh, I associate glasses with intellectuals. Sounds like a pretty dumb thing to say, especially because I don't wear glasses, <laughs> and especially because you do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I don't think that was Shelley's. So that's a, a Sharoff. No, Thoroth. Thoroth. But who do you... Thorong. Who do you think it could be? It sounds like something Gwyneth Paltrow would say. That does sound quite wanky. I said Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, but it's not Gwyneth Paltrow. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger who said that. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. He said it's a... He's probably a better British accent than that. I wasn't technically the greatest, but I succeeded and got lead roles because when I died, I died. And when I was spinning into madness, I was spinning into madness. So I'm going to say not Charlie's. So you think that's a sh- so it's a wrong or yeah. yeah. Um, and it sounds like either Nicolas Cage or Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Because <laughs> he dies so much. He does. When I die. Yeah. Yeah. Who was um, it? It was Charlie's the one. Oh, I've never seen her die in any of the films. Okay. Uh, next one. Uh, Weaseling out of things is important to learn. It's what separates us from animals, except the weasel. Not Charlie's. <laughs> I think I've said that pretty much every time, haven't I? Yeah. The wrong. Who do you think? Yeah, and who do you think it is? 
Sounds like something that Kanye West would say. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's actually Homer J. Simpson who says that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's all right. Uh, I got a point. Well done. Uh, okay, next. Uh, I think today women are very scared to celebrate themselves because then they just get labelled. Charlie Thrun. Yeah, spot on, and actually a very good, uh, very good point. Mm. Uh, okay, finally, um, you'll find that many of the truths we cling to uh, depend greatly on our own point of view. Hashtag semi deep. Yeah. Hashtag thumbing in a softy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah um, pretty amazing. Uh, I'll say it's a, it's a shower, it's a Theron. Not uh, you are Theron. <sighs> it's actually Obi Wan Kenobi. Say it again. You'll find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Oh. Which which Star Wars film? It's Alec Guinness who says it. In, oh uh, yeah, the same. Is it a New Hope? Yeah. Obviously, it's going to be a we'll New Hope because it's the only one. Who goes, <laughs> oh, no, no, it's a good fairy. It was an Empire and Return of the Jedi is a false ghost. False ghost. It said false then, like very very seven. Fourth ghost. False ghost. Alec. That's what I should be saying. Uh, so, how many points did you get? Did you mark yourself up? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven points out of... Uh, eight? No, 16. What? 16? No, 19. No. I mean, you didn't do that well. I definitely did better than you did last week. Yeah. Ah. Uh, right. Anyway, uh, we've not decided what we're going to watch next week, have we? No. no. Maybe somebody will comment and uh, give us an idea. Yeah, if you've got an idea of what you want us to review next, there's loads of good films out at the minute, like The Dark Tower just come out. Oh yeah, tomorrow I think, right? Yeah. Or Friday, sorry. Um, which is definitely a film I want to see, just because I'm such a gigantic fan of all eight books. However, I feel that just sets me up for disappointment more than anything. And I haven't read any of the books. So like, maybe we could do the opinion of someone who hasn't seen the other scene. Wouldn't that be interesting, that listeners? Be interesting. Isn't that what you're <laughs> gagging to hear? Listeners, oh. plural. Yeah, because we've got more than one. Yeah. yeah. Do, uh, do the maths. Do the maths. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thanks for listening again. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you have, we'd really appreciate it if you left a review on the podcast. Uh, maybe even give it five stars, six stars if that's possible. I think five stars is the biggest rating. Five's enough. Yeah. Five's fair. We're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, and we're now on a couple of podcast apps as well. Uh, they all pull from different sources, so it's really hard to tell which ones they work on. But if you just Google the movie, not Mike and Josh, I'm sure you'll find it. Um, so please, like I said, give us a review, give us a couple of likes, and subscribe, because that'd be really cool. And mm. um, if you want to check us out on social media, you can check us out on Facebook at forward slash movie nosh with Mike and Josh. Check us out on Twitter with the handle at movienosh and check us out on Instagram with the handle at movienosh same thing dead easy so uh, yeah if you could like and follow us that'd be great we'll give you the behind the scenes stuff on Instagram do some cool polls on Twitter I'm going to teach Michael about yeah no, I can't bloody wait and uh, we let you know every time there's a new episode out on Altering Media as well so if you want to stay on top of when the next episode is out which is every Monday and mm. um, sign up cool you want to sign up for the week yeah, thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye.